Hello, welcome to The Thinking Spot. I'm Duncan McGinnis, your host. In our podcast, we discuss topics from politics, science, and history to popular culture and religion. No topic is off limits. There's no such thing as a stupid question. So let's get started. All right, welcome to uh, the new episode of The Thinking Spot. And uh, so today's the 14th of October. And um, I just went and cast my vote yesterday on the 13th in Texas, the first day of early voting. And, um, you know, I'm one of those um, strange individuals who still thinks that voting is a um, really exciting thing to do. I think it's a civic duty that everybody should do. And I think it matters. Um I was kind of raised that way. You know, my dad was not a particularly political person in the sense that uh, I don't ever recall him ever thinking of himself or expressing to anyone whether he was a Democrat or a Republican. Um, I do recall most of the time that I knew him, with the exception of one time, um, if someone asked who he voted for, he would usually say, um, usually in a very good-natured fashion, he would say, it's none of your damn business. Um, the only time I ever remember my dad making any kind of acknowledgement of who he voted for was in 2004 after the Iraq war was kind of going. Um, and he and I were talking about the war and we were talking about George W. Bush. And he said, I didn't vote for that son of a bitch. And so, but I was raised to think that voting was really important. And I've been personally, I've been very politically active and 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 um, very partisan in my politics, um, although I have voted for Republicans and I voted for Democrats. But I have um, yesterday marked the 10th time that I have voted in a presidential election. And uh, so I take it very, very seriously. And I was thinking really hard, trying to think really hard if there was an election in since I turned 18 that I did not vote in. Um, and I, the first election I voted in was 1982. Um, and I think I might have not voted in 1986, which was an off-year election. But I think since 1982, that's probably the only time that I didn't vote. But so because it's election season and because I voted and because I think it's important to vote, but I also think it's really important for you to have some sense of trust that your vote counts. Um, and so our president, Donald Trump, uh, in my opinion, an extremely weak and unintelligent individual, um, has been claiming since 2016 that, you know, he started, in fact, claiming in 2015 that the election was rigged because he didn't think he was going to win. Um, and it's interesting because, um, you know, he never said what was rigged about it uh, in 2016 other than um, his, his criteria for a rigged election is one in which he loses um, and one in which he wins is not uh, rigged. And, and that's exactly what happened in 2016 is he talked. He spent the entire campaign thinking and talking, talking that the that the election was going to be rigged against him um, and didn't you know, nothing changed. He provided no evidence of what rigged meant. But then when he ended up winning, he was like, "Woohoo! it's all fair and square. And so um, it's a particularly weak Um, intellectual argument, and it shows a certain level, uh, a tremendous level of just lack of character and integrity to claim 
that um, a contest is rigged and the only evidence that you give of it being rigged is the fact that you lost. Imagine if we were getting ready for the Super Bowl um, and the two teams, and I'm going to, since I'm from Texas, uh, I don't even know if it's possible for the Cowboys and the Texans um, to play against each other in the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know what conferences they're in, and I don't care. But imagine what you would think as a, as a person following a sporting event if throughout the playoffs a team was – making their way towards the Super Bowl and the quarterback or the head coach of that team was constantly saying if we lose this game it's because somebody cheated if we lose this game sucks because somebody cheated if you saw that kind of behavior or heard those kinds of words coming out of the mouth of anybody in any kind of contested event most people would hold that would 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 really think very small um, that person was very small and pathetic and petty um, because you know it's just it's just whining on a level that Americans generally just don't accept and so um, like everything else in the thinking spot and particularly since I seem to sort of want to pick on conspiracy theories you know this claim that Donald Trump makes about election fraud on a wide scale, wide scale enough to throw a national election, um, you know, if you know even just a little bit about how our elections are done in America, you understand that the uh, that the likelihood that someone could successfully cast a number of illegal votes or in some way manipulate the voting such that they could throw a national election, especially by doing things like casting illegal ballots or voting twice, because that's what voter fraud is. We know there are things that that people, individuals, groups do to try to manipulate the outcome of election by getting people to stay home. Political ads, if, if you don't know this, most political ads are designed to either do one of two things, to get your people out to vote or to discourage the opponent's people out. So that's, but that's not voter fraud. That's not, that's not election fraud. That's just campaigning. And you, you may or may not like it. So when the president talks about people casting illegal ballots and uses the word voter fraud, he's talking about a very specific kind of crime that is, in fact, incredibly rare in America. Um, the Heritage Foundation, which is a conservative think tank, um, after the 2016 election, they actually went out and created, um, did some research, and they created a searchable database that you can go and look at um, where you can you can go through, I think it goes all the way back to 1979, and you can go back and look at um, alleged cases of voter fraud of all sorts, and you can read about it, you can see what happened, see what, uh, see who did what, and see whether they got caught or not, see if they were punished. But the Heritage Foundation came up with um, only 62 confirmed cases of actual voter fraud in the United States since like 1979. 
Um, and most of the kinds of things that people like the president point out and say, see, there's voter fraud in the, in the, in the Heritage Foundation's research and in other people's research, um, particularly the Brennan Center for Justice um, wrote a report um, um, written by a, a fellow by the name of Justin Levitt. And the Brennan Center for Justice is a, um, it's a part of the New York University School of Law. They wrote a report just this year about the truth about voter fraud and, and found that, that, that voter fraud really doesn't happen much at all. And when it does, uh, the things that usually look like voter fraud aren't really. They're some, something like a clerical error or someone matching a name to someone then it's not the same person or something like that. And so, but before you even get into that, before you even get into the literal, the nuts and bolts, the nitty-gritty about, about what actual voter fraud looks like, you really have to understand how elections are administered in America to understand. Because if you don't know how elections are administered, then you wouldn't have a clue about how to go about trying to steal an election by committing voter fraud. Uh, because you can't just you know, sit, pull out a, a stack of sticky notes and write, you know, George Bush or Donald Trump or Joe Biden on a sticky note and go sneak it into somebody's ballot box and get it counted. You can't do that. In order to get that kind of thing to happen, you have to know how the votes are, are tabulated and counted. And so the thing you should understand is that um, even though a presidential election is, by the way, the only national election we have in America is a presidential election. So that's what this is. We're particularly focused on presidential elections because, you know, it doesn't we're not talking about elections for dog catcher or your homeowners association board. We're talking about presidential elections. And so um, a presidential election is, is, is a thing that is a thing in of itself and different than other things. And so, um, and so here's what you need to know. Elections in America are run at the county level. They're not run by the, the, the federal government. They're not run by the states. Now, the federal government and the states have some control and some big, broad guidance in that, you know, the, federal, the Constitution obviously sets some voting uh, parameters about who can and cannot vote. Um, the um, federal government does have some laws that govern elections and particularly campaigns and things, but the federal government has very, very little to say about how an election is actually conducted. And, and the only thing it really has to say about that is in areas where there have been cases of discrimination, as everyone knows, back during the Reconstruction era and during the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, um, during the Civil Rights era, when people who were legitimately entitled to vote were being denied that right by various states. And so the federal government created some laws to prevent that. But the federal government does not collect, they do not register votes, uh, voters, they do not um, collect the votes cast, they do not count the ballots. The, all of that is done at the um, local county level. And in America, there are 3,141 counties. 
Um, Texas has the most counties of any state. And of course, for the smart asses out there who are in Louisiana, they'll say, well, Louisiana doesn't have counties. Louisiana has parishes, but that's the same thing as a county. It's just a different name. And Alaska has boroughs. Um, but every other state has counties and counties run elections. And how do counties run elections? Well, let's talk about that. The first thing that a county does, if you're a voter and you want to vote, I live in Walker County, Texas. And I lived in Montgomery County, Texas, which is immediately south of Walker County for many, many years. And then I moved to Walker County and I went down to Walker County and got a voter registration card and sent it in and became a registered voter in Walker County. And so in order to get registered to vote, you have to fill out a form. You have to tell them your full name, first, middle, and last. You have to tell them your address. You have to tell them, give them a mailing address in case your residence address isn't somewhere that can get mail. You have to put your driver's license number or the last four digits of your social security number on your registration application. And you have to, of course, put your age and date of birth. So if you if you can't complete that form legitimately, you can't register to vote now. Um, so first thing the county does is they say, well, you got to register to vote because that way then the county now has a database of people who have said, I want to vote in this county. And um, so then when you go to vote, like I did yesterday, and I have to tell you, I'm incredibly impressed with the way votes are tallied in Walker County, Texas. The system, I think, is outstanding. Um, so I went to vote yesterday and I walked in the door. And I got it was early voting, and I got to say they had a big room full of people. Uh, a big there were there had to have been at least fifty or sixty voting machines, if not more. There were two lines of, of tables with with uh, uh, election polling officials who were checking IDs and whatnot. So I walk up there and I hand the woman my driver's license. And of course, in Texas, our driver's license has a magnetic strip on it. I suppose probably most states do now. So she swipes the magnetic strip, and when she swiped the magnetic strip of my driver's license, immediately a screen pops up. There's, a, there's like a touch screen, sort of looks like an iPad on a stick sitting right there, and it pops up, and it has my name and my address right there, and it says, is this your name and address? And I have to hit a little button that says yes, and then she said it's going to come back up, and I had to sign it. And so when I signed it, she looked at... at she compared my signature there on that pad to my signature that they have on file while she's looking at my driver's license and looking at my face. And yes, she did actually look at my driver's license and then look up and kind of hold the driver's license up to compare my face. And then she said, okay, and she pulled out this little piece of paper and she ran it through a printer and it was a card, maybe 11 inches long and five inches wide. And it printed out with a barcode on it. It didn't have any identifying information on it other than the barcode. Um, but then I took that card ballot over to the voting machine where I stuck it in the voting machine and then the screen popped up and it knew who it knew what races I could vote in and I went through the the the, the ballot and I voted for president I voted for the United States Senate I voted for the House of Representatives I voted for a bunch of freaking judges and I voted for one uh county sort of sales tax thing um and went through there and I voted and when you get to the end of that you hit 
enter, submit, whatever the button says, and then it spit that card back out with all of my votes cast printed on it. And then I took that over and stuck it in another machine that scanned it and counted it. Now, it didn't count the votes at that stage, um, I don't think, it, but it counted the number, you know, like that's the 500th ballot to be submitted today. And so that's the way you go from registering to vote to casting your vote. Now, let's talk about counting your vote. In the state of Texas, um, the, and this is true of every state, I'm talking about Texas because in order to sort of get a mind, a mind around this, you have to sort of focus a little bit. But in every state, they have some version of that register to vote, then you got to go to vote, you got to present your ID, you got to be verified at the polling place, you got to, you know, cast your vote. And here's the thing. Once my ballot goes into the ballot box, um, if I understand correctly, they will not actually count the votes until Election Day here in Texas. But here's the thing. It'll be a very simple process because they have all of those ballots stacked up, and all they got to do is take them out of the ballot box, put them in a scanner, push a button, and they run through there, and the scanner will count it. Now, I have great faith in Texas counting those votes because, um, one, at every stage of this process, this four-step process, at least four steps, they're double-checking everything. And people say, well, you can register a dog to vote. You can. If you want to commit voter registration fraud, you can complete a file, uh, an application for your dog or your cat. But in, or in doing that, you have to commit perjury a couple of different times because a dog or a cat can't have a driver's license or a social security number. And so if you, it, it is in every single state, it is a felony to illegally register somebody to vote. It is a felony. Um, it is a felony to try to vote illegally. And here's the other thing about crimes. I mean, this is one of the things, it's a little thing you should think about with crime. Most of the time, when people commit crimes, except for, of course, crimes of passion, most of the time, the criminal makes some sort of risk versus reward equation. And so they, and now obviously a lot of criminals are pretty stupid. And so they do some stupid shit and they get caught. And, you know, I love the video of the guy who's trying to break in the liquor store and he's already drunk and he fell through the roof. And then it shows the video of him falling all over himself. Uh, I love that, that kind of thing. Cause, cause you know, the reality is most people who are criminals are, are, are actually pretty stupid, but here's the thing. Think about the, the motivation behind somebody who wants to vote twice or somebody who wants to cast an illegal ballot or somebody who wants to register as somebody they're not to go vote to swing a presidential election. Think about this. And this is the way you have to look at all conspiracy theories. Donald Trump says that there are millions of illegal ballots out there. And there's no evidence to support that. And when you look at how elections are done, you should automatically go, hey, I know how this process is done. And I can just tell you that sort of seems like that's an unlikely scenario, you know. And so, but imagine somebody who is so much in, against Trump that they want to cast an illegal ballot to help defeat him. Okay, 
you could probably, someone could, I, you know, hey, now my dad's been dead a long time, but I look a lot like my dad. As I say, he's been dead a long time, five years. Um, I look a lot like my father. Um, our, my name is John McGinnis. His name was John McGinnis. Now he's 28 years older than me, but it is maybe possible that I could have, shortly after my father died, I could have gotten his ID and I could have cut my hair to look more like his and, and, and made myself look a little bit more like his picture and I could have gone and cast a ballot for him to beat somebody in a presidential election. But think about that. One, is it possible I might have got through using my father's ID? It's possible. But here's the thing. One more vote for my candidate, is that worth five years in prison and $10,000 fine? Is it going to actually make a difference? Are you going to, do you think it's really even remotely possible that you could get three million people in one state to vote for their dead parent? So when you think about it, it becomes practically absurd to think that there could, that it's even possible to get enough illegal votes cast to sway a presidential election because at every step that I just described, there's more than one layer of security to make sure that people who won, you're eligible to vote, you know, you have to, you have to give your name, you have to give your date of birth, you have to give your address, you have to give your driver's license number or your social security number. And in this world of computers, that's really easy to verify especially when you think about it at the county level. Don't think about it in 300 million Americans. Think about it in the county level because I'm registered to vote in Walker County. I also own a home in Walker County. I also, you know, how many different ways is my personal identifying information registered in Walker County that would take literally nothing no effort whatsoever to verify across voter records, across driver's license records, across all, any kind of computerized database that the state maintains can be easily cross-referenced with voter ID information, and they do. In 2015, uh, 16, we moved, we built our house in 2015. We moved into it in the early days of 2016. We moved out of Montgomery County into Walker County. When I registered to vote in Walker County, and I teach government, so I teach this issue every semester. And so I, in, we probably registered to, to vote in Walker County in, in February of 2016. And in later in that spring, I, was, I wanted to know. So I went to the Montgomery County voter registration uh, webpage to see what my status was. And I was no longer registered to vote in, in Montgomery County because I assume, I don't know, it makes perfect sense, though, that when I registered in Walker County, they cross-referenced that voter registration data and immediately kicked me off the rolls in Montgomery County. So even in our world today, being, you know, someone who was registered in two counties and they went and voted in one county and then they went and voted in another county, that's pretty rare. And if you look at the Heritage um Heritage Foundation's database, there's a couple of cases where a guy, some guys did that and they got caught because there's a record of it. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, trying to cast a, an illegal vote is almost like, you know, 
trying to to rob a liquor store that's surrounded by video cameras. It's there's just you're gonna you just in the act of doing it, you're gonna create the evidence that they're gonna be able to use to convict you of a crime. So now, so again, think about this now. So you register to vote. Then when you go to cast your vote, you they check your ID. They, they look at you. I mean, they literally look at your face. They check your ID. You sign. They look at your signature, compare it to the signature they have on file before they give you the ballot. Then you go cast the ballot. Now, in, um, in any given county, you know, I don't know how many ballot boxes they had. In the place where, where we were doing it uh, in Walker County yesterday, they had two boxes. There were two places, two separate boxes, where people who voted could slide their little um, ballot into the machine that would count it and put it in the box. Now, here's the thing. Those boxes are under lock and key all the time. They are sealed with tamper evidence seals. They are... Um, they, they are subject to what we used to call in the Navy when we were dealing with classified information. They're subject to two-person integrity at all times. And they're never, they have the chain of custody that they have to follow with the ballots from the very beginning to the end. And so um, then... Once they, you know, we, we started early voting, we got a couple of weeks of early voting, then we have election day. And so here in Texas, on election day, they'll have polling places out in the county, and, they'll, and when the polls close and everybody who's in line is voted, they will, they will take those ballot boxes that have been under seal with, with multiple person integrity. And when I say multiple person, I, we're talking about a Democrat and a Republican. So every ballot box is in the custody of someone who arguably supports Trump and someone who arguably supports Biden at all times. And, they, and they, they maintain a chain of custody of who touched it, who looked at it, who picked it up, who put it in the van. And they don't just put it in a van with your cousin Bubba. They put it in a van and then multiple people take it to where it's going. And they document everywhere the van went to this polling place and picked up three boxes. It went to this polling place and picked up two boxes. It went to this polling place. And then they go to the county seat, wherever the county seat is. And most states do it in some version of this. And they have a place where they count all the ballots on election night and that multiple person integrity continues even through the point when they open the ballot box and they take the ballots out and then they put them in the machine that's going to count them and then they push the button to scan it and it scans them all through and counts them the process is being watched the other thing is that whole process is public you can go watch now, there's a space available issue, probably, because most of these rooms are not big stadiums where you could fit 50,000 people to watch them count ballots. But the process of counting ballots in America is a public process. And you, as a citizen, have a right to go watch. You can go, and I've done it before. I've sat in the county elections administrator's room and watched them count ballots. And so you've got multiple layers of security with how those ballots are handled. In the state of Texas, and everybody says, well, they can hack into them. In the state of Texas, here's the thing. No machine that is used to count votes can ever be connected to the Internet. No machine. 
No machine. So the voting machine itself, even if it's a if it's an electronic machine, unlike the ones we use in Walker County where it prints out a ballot for you that's a piece of paper, it's an electronic machine, can never be connected to the Internet. And here's the thing. The device that takes the votes off of each of those electronic voting machines can never be connected to the Internet. And here's the other thing. The computer system that pulls the votes off that device that connect, that takes the information off of the voting machines, it also can never be connected to the Internet. They don't just plug the machine that's counting these votes into somebody's desktop that they play solitaire and look at porn on. They have special computers where they do it. Now, here's... Again, when you understand how that happens and how the votes are counted, when President Trump, and I don't even call him lying, because in order to be lying, you got to know that what you're saying is untrue. I just think he's stupid enough to believe his own bullshit. And so when he says there were 3 million illegal ballots cast in California for Hillary Clinton in 2016, what he's really saying what he, if in order for that to be a true statement, he's accusing his own supporters, Republicans in California, and yes, there are some, he is accusing them of being in on the conspiracy to, conspiracy to steal votes from him. Because in California, after he made that allegation, it was investigated. People take that shit seriously. They don't just go, ha, 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 he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. They went, and they went on a county-by-county investigation to see if there were 3 million illegal votes registered in California, and there was no evidence of it whatsoever. Because you don't have to count all the votes and go, which ones are legal, which ones aren't. You can go county by county. And, you know, there are some counties in California that probably only have six or 8,000 people voting in them. And there are some, like L.A. County's probably got a couple million people voting. But you can go county by county by county, and you can count the ballots and see, compare the number of ballots submitted to the number of people on the voting rolls and see if there's a distinction. Then you can go, and if you go, oh, well, we have, uh, you know, 375,000 people on the voting rolls in this county and 300,000 voted. Okay, cool. That means there weren't more votes than the county had. And then you can go take the voter rolls, which got all the names on it, and you can go and look at who registered to vote or who went into the polling place and got a ballot and said, I'm going to vote and showed their ID. And you can compare the two lists and you can see. And if you saw a big list of names and you, and you go, well, this person hasn't voted in X number of years. Well, you can call them up on the phone and go, hey, did you vote? You can investigate these things. Votes in America are counted in situations. And it's, it's, some of this is, is frustrating because it makes it a little, you know, it makes it a little chaotic because even in, in a state like Texas, some counties have a certain type of voting machine and some counties have another type of voting machine. And so there are, there, the system is very purposefully, very decentralized, where if you were going to 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 really try to steal a presidential election by illegally voting with millions of people man you would have to find out you would have to find out how counties 
count their votes. You would have to know the kind of machine they use. You'd have to know their barcodes that they use for mail-in ballots. And mail-in, forget about president's bullshit about mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots are probably more secure than any other form of ballot. But nonetheless, in order to cast millions of votes illegally, you would have to, to either push all of them into one county. Well, I'm sitting in Montgomery County, Texas. I happen to have on my computer the Montgomery County voter database, and there's only 360,000 people in it, roughly. Um, and so, you know, if I stuff 3 million votes into that into the one county, it would be quite obvious. You see what I'm saying? So when you're talking about running, you know, 129 million people voted for president in 2016, 128.8 million voted for president in 2016. And the margin of victory in the popular vote for Hillary Clinton was 3 million. Okay. Well, Trump won anyway. So I don't even know why he cares what the popular vote was, because he won fair and square, according to the Electoral College. And that's the way it's done. Now, here's the thing. And this is, you know, this is where the, the possibility, because, you know, there's possible and there's probable and there's likely. But this is where the possibility of stealing a presidential election comes. And it's not with widespread voter fraud. It's where if you could pinpoint before election day the precincts in counties where you knew the, the, the margin was going to be razor, razor thin, you could possibly in an undetectable, more or less undetectable, undetectable way, you could probably slip in a few hundred ballots that no one would notice. But you could not, but, and here's the other thing, you would have to know where to do it, and you would have to know about how many you could slide in, and you'd have to slide in 10 or 15 in this precinct, and 20 or 30 in that precinct, and you'd have to, you would have to, it, you're, you're talking about a conspiracy that would be, that would absolutely rival the bullshit conspiracy that the moon landing never happened. You would have to have so many people involved in that conspiracy to make it happen, that you could not possibly keep it a secret and hide it. Because somebody would get drunk and say, oh, guess what we did? And they would say it to somebody and it would get out. That's the whole thing about conspiracies. And anybody who knows anything about successful conspiracies knows that they have a very, very, very few people. You know, there's a, there's an old adage that the, the only way a secret can be kept is if the only person who knows it doesn't tell another person. Um, and so it is practically impossible to steal an election. Now, that said, to widespread voter fraud, practically impossible. The way elections are counted in America, it just can't be done on a presidential scale. Now, there was a case, and this is my again evidence of my position uh, of how it's how you can't you you really can't do it on any wide scale. There was a case that I found on the Heritage Heritage uh, Foundation website where a guy tried to steal a homeowners association election, and he went and he got the list of people in the neighborhood. 
neighborhood who had not voted in a homeowners association election in the past several years, and he got ballots. He conspired with another man to get the ballots of these residents of the homeowners association who had not cast votes, and he casted a few dozen votes that were illegal um, to steal the chairmanship of the board of a homeowners association, for Christ's sake. And look it, he got caught and he got convicted of a felony. That's the other part of the point. It is so, the kind of crime that voter fraud is, is one in which the crime itself creates the evidence that you need to convict, to be convicted on. You know, it's not like any other kind of, well, except for some accounting crimes and things like that. But it's you, the evidence, if you do it, the evidence will be clear. There was a case in North Carolina in just in 2016 where they caught a Republican operative trying to, um, he was doing a thing called ballot harvesting. But notice this isn't voter fraud. This is another type of crime. But they caught this guy and he went to prison. And they, they, they were so well able to figure it out. So let's talk about some of the things people talk about as voter fraud. Um, dead people voting. The Heritage Foundation uh, found um, several instances where people thought dead people voted. Um, there was one instance in, I want to say, Georgia, where they had somebody who was concerned about voter fraud, went through the voter rolls and went through who voted in an election. They came up with a list of 5,000 people um, who support, supposedly voted after they were dead. And when they went through the whole 5,000, and this is the other thing, somebody says, hey, here's 5,000 dead people voted. They go through each of the 5,000 names and go name by name, and they got down to one out of 5,400 and something where a person actually cast a ballot and it matched a name almost with someone who was dead. And here's the problem. They didn't check the spelling. They had the same name, first name and last name. I guess they had the same middle initial, but nobody checked the middle name. But the last name of the man who voted had two L's in it. The man who had died some years prior had one L in it. And that was so easy to go look for. Here's the other thing they found out, that most of those 5,000 people who um, the person identified as having voted after they were dead, one, most of them, there was never a vote cast for the person. Um, they just looked at the list of voter registra registered voters versus, um, you know, and said, this person's dead, this person's dead, this person's dead. Um, in, in some of the cases, they found out that a lot of those people voted and then died before Election Day just like I voted yesterday. Well, election day is still three weeks away, so I voted yesterday. If I die before election day, that doesn't mean my vote's invalid. That my vote's still a valid legal vote, you know? So most of the things that people point at and say, well, there's evidence that election fraud, most of them are things that are, one, really easily disprovable once you go to investigate them, and, and usually are, and then the other thing is, is once you go to investigate them, people get caught and they get caught and they get punished. There was a woman in Texas just in the last in the 2018 election who was a convicted felon 
and she was caught trying to cast a vote and she got another felony and went to prison over it you know and so again um, when you're thinking of criminal activity and you think about you, you have to think about the dynamics of what you're trying to do and how hard or how easy it's going to be to get away with it. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, it, it, Donald Trump, I don't I, again, I, I'm, I hesitate to say he's lying because if he's lying, that means he knows that what he's saying is false. And I just don't think he's smart enough to know that what he's saying is false. And so the idea of voter fraud in America in a presidential election is just absurd. You might as well if you believe there's widespread voter fraud in America, widespread enough to sway a presidential election when there's 129 million people voting then you might as well believe in the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, and Santa Claus and assume that all three of those people are casting votes because there's just no evidence to support it, and it's just so difficult to do it. And here's the other thing, and this is probably the biggest thing as, of, of all. In the 2016 election, 128.8 million Americans voted. 48% of them voted for Hillary Clinton. 45 point something percent voted for Donald Trump. Here's the thing, and let this blow your mind, because if we could do something about this, then there really wouldn't be a worry about voter fraud. In 2016, there were 100 million eligible voters in America who did not cast a vote. Think about that. And I'll see you next time on The Thinking Spot.